The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 222 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Monica Cade, author, podcast host, and word lover, to discuss her new book, The Storm Under My Skin. The Storm Under My Skin is a step-by-step conscious approach to lifestyle and health that serves to support anyone struggling with weight, body image, nutrition, and the voice in their head to make lifelong transformations. In today's episode, you will learn exactly that, how to tame the voice in your head to transform your entire life. I'm on and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Steph. Amazing. Let's dive straight in. I'd love for you to set the scene for us and tell us more about yourself and your journey to date. Sure. So I guess I am a writer, podcast host, and more recently an author, which I know we'll be chatting about today. And I have a great love for health and well-being. And I, I've had that since I was really young. And I just know that I've always been really active into sports. And, and so that's been a huge part of my life. And I guess any opportunity I get to talk about health and well-being in a way that could potentially support others to live a healthy and happy life, I kind of jump at those opportunities. And so in regards to my podcasting, I've got a podcast that interviews uh, creative minds, entrepreneurs, thought leaders on how they got to where they are and how they bring out their best. And I think that's been a theme throughout my life. It was something that my parents, I think, kind of instilled in me they you know always were encouraging me to be my best and asking me to look inward for the answers and so I think that naturally I guess took its place in me and my mindset and I guess that's where my love of interviewing also comes about so yeah how's that for a start 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you've obviously got a few things that I do want to share with my listeners today. What do you think in terms of um, the health area, like your own kind of personal experience that you'd be happy to share that kind of led you on this path? I know we have a little bit of a similar journey. Um, mm. So take us back there and kind of, yeah, through the, the steps and um, I guess what's the contrast for you these days? Sure. So I think like many individuals and when, you know, they're in high school and they're going through that transition time of puberty and just being in a new environment and growing up and all that kind of stuff, I think I started to my, I guess, my idea of my, what I looked like started to play a big part in my life. And I felt that I you know, wasn't my body wasn't like all the other girls. I felt like I was larger than I was. Uh, in retrospect, that wasn't the case, but that's just how my mind saw my body. And I guess I was, as I mentioned in the intro, like I was always very active and into sports and things like that. And I just kept thinking to myself, oh, why can't I be like the other girls? You know, why is it easy for them and not for me? And so I think in probably year seven, I developed this, well, I stopped eating. <laughs> I thought like that was the best way to lose weight. And then, you know, I did that for a little while. Didn't really work out. It was a bit hard, you know, <laughs> get hungry and things like that. Mm. Um, and, but then I developed, I think kind of over the years, like this fascination with anorexia and bulimia and those kinds of things. And I was really interested in that. And I, it wasn't until kind of the end of high school that that really started to play out in my life. I made a decision. I was like, that's it. I'm so over the way that I look. I felt really unhappy and uncomfortable in my skin. And I felt like I was doing all the right things. And because even the things that I was eating, like I grew up in a pretty health conscious household. So it wasn't that I was eating crappy foods. I think more so it was about that I didn't know how certain food was responding in my body. So, you know, I was doing all the what seemingly right things on the surface, but maybe some of the foods I was eating wasn't supportive to my gut and my body and, and all that. So, yeah, so after high school, I kind of went down this very long journey of life, about 11 years of disordered eating for anorexia to bulimia. And then, yeah, I had, I guess, uh, the whole journey in itself was going into it and coming out of it was 11 years. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy experience. I wouldn't change it because of who I've become because of it, the awareness that I have of my body and the awareness of my mind and how deeply our mind impacts the body and then, you know, over the years I've, I've learned so much more around what we put into our bodies and how it affects our mental health and, and all, those kind, all that kind of information that's available to us now that really wasn't as predominant back then, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess like today, I don't know, do you want me to jump into the contrast today now? Yeah, let's do it. Give us a bit of an idea as to like where it took you as, as to coming out the other side, as you say. Yeah. So now it's, it's, I guess I don't view food as 
something that I have to avoid or, you know, it's, it's something that I love and I love eating and I love eating really good quality foods and I love cooking and I find it such a like meditation and I love cooking for people too. And I look back on that and I think, gosh, what a horrible life to not <laughs> eat, you know? And, but also how food is there to nourish us, to fuel us. It's there to help us achieve whatever it is that we want to achieve in this life. Whoever you are, you know, it's, it's, I was actually thinking about this just, I don't know, randomly this morning, how, you know, often people with disordered eating or people that want to lose weight or people that stand on the scales and constantly compare their weight what you don't take into account, I think, often when you stand on a scale is that your organs also weigh an amount, your your bones weigh an amount, you know. It's not just uh, body fat and, and like your muscles, you know, and all those things. You need all those things to live and, and you want those things to work and function really healthily. And so I think I have a really deep appreciation for my body now and how it functions and and choosing the right foods that support it to be at its best. Yeah, beautiful. And I'm sure you've got so much to share with us, but I just wonder if there is that moment or that that light bulb or that switch that you can now see in hindsight that it was a huge catalyst for you to find out or to see that there was another way. I think it was predominantly the fact that my mental health suffered dramatically. It got to a point where I couldn't actually function, that the thoughts in my mind were so compulsive and so took up so much space that I couldn't, I just couldn't function aside from the fact that my body wasn't functioning. Like I had no mental clarity and it just got so heavy and, and I was so unhappy and I wasn't doing anything that I loved. You know, everything was, uh, you know, I stopped pursuing my dreams. I stopped I stopped attending university because it was just too cold. It was too tiring to just walk to class. And so it got to a point where I was like, this isn't fun and I'm not living my life and I I don't like this. And it was just, it was too much of a burden to carry that the pain of maybe initially what I felt and staying in this was so great that the house, the thought of getting better and the scariness and the fear that may have accompanied that totally outweighed where I was. And then that's kind of when the shift just started to take place. Mm. Yeah. Trying to find another way because obviously if not, you would see that your future was only going to continue as your present was. So I think that's really fascinating. Um, and also that you've been able to use that, that hindsight and, and really acknowledge that you're definitely not alone in that journey. I'm sure you've had many conversations over your time and I'm also assuming that that's led you to write the book because you realise that there are so many people that have a similar struggle. So tell us more about, yes, that, the decision to write the book and um, anything else that you share that, you, you, that you've learned along the way. Yeah, so I think part of the reason I wrote it was that I was a place within myself where I felt like that chapter was really closed and and I was having a lot of conversations with people throughout my life where they would just ask me, you know, what I eat, how I work out and things like that because they saw me as a point of counsel. So I think it was because of those conversations where I realised I thought, oh, you know, maybe I have gone through something here that 
sharing this story could support someone else so they don't have to go through that. I think when I was going through what I went through, there wasn't a lot of information out there around people's stories. You know, everything that I read was that you can't be, beat this. Like it will always be part of you. Uh, you can never fully get over it. And I didn't believe that, but it was also a bit disappointing to that that was all the information that was out there, you know? So I think sitting down to write the book, it's not that I even, I don't feel like it was a really conscious decision to do it. It was just something like inspiration hit me one day and it was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So it started off as an ebook and I just wrote the second half of the book, which is more of a guide. So if I had to break down my process uh, for somebody else, how did, how did I go through that? How did I become healthy and, and become the person that I am today? And that in itself is really fascinating because often we go through these things, but then, you know, we don't reflect on, okay, well, but really like what were the steps to, to the thoughts, to the moments when it was super challenging? How did you overcome them? And like, what did you do? And it was a lot to reflect on because I'd forgotten so much of it. So I wrote the first half as an ebook and I just had it online for a little while. And then eventually I took it down and it came to me to write the first half, my, my actual story. And so then that's how this book is broken up. So the first four chapters are my story and my journey and what I went through to give insight into that kind of a world. And then the second half is a guide and yeah. And then that's how the book came about. And in terms of other insights, I think the greatest insight from writing the book and the whole experience is really becoming aware of how much our mindset plays a factor in our, our health and it's, it, yes, I think, you know, what we eat and how we move is a huge part of it. I think they all go together, but it's really about becoming aware of those thoughts that you're having when you are putting something in your mouth or the way that you're preparing your food, like, you know, energy in, impacts the things that we do. So if you're preparing a meal or sitting down to eat your meal and scoffing it down, you're not really savoring the process. And I feel like that even affects our health too. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely multifactorial. So obviously when um, you're meeting people that have gone through a similar journey or are, or are finding your recovery to be very inspirational, is that where you start with your advice? Like obviously it sounds like it's the mind, but there are so many other fairly like, I don't like the word basic, but they're just really, I guess, foundational things that we should be becoming aware of and intuitive about and then forming those new behaviours? Yeah, I think first of all, you have to be really honest with yourself. I think you can't be in denial. I think you have to kind of, if you, if you aren't feeling satisfied or, or happy, whether you're, you've got disordered eating and eating disorder or, you know, you just want to improve your health, I think you need to just be honest about where you are to start. I think a lot of the time people aren't honest with where they are and they and they kind of feel guilty or they hate on themselves for being where they are but I think just acknowledging the fact that hey I don't want to live like I am right now and I'd like to make a change I think that's really the first step 
before you start making any huge lifestyle and nutrition changes because, yeah, I don't think if, you, if you're not coming from an honest space within yourself, somehow <laughs> we sabotage ourselves, you know, like it's like it's kind of like that new year, <laughs> new year resolution thing. Everyone has these grand plans, but it's like, well, is that really something you would love to do or is that just something you think you should do because of X, Y, Z? So, yeah, I think become really honest about what you're feeling to begin with. And then I think it's about possibly finding someone to support you with it because I think it can be a hard journey alone. Like, And, and not everyone is educated in different facets of health and the mind and 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 you know, movement and things like that. So I think it's like, okay, well, if you want to make a change, then what's the next step? I think asking ourselves, okay, what's the next step? Like we naturally within ourselves will come to some sort of answer. So it could be, okay, I want to go see a psychologist and talk about this, or I want to go see a nutritionist and, and talk to them about my options. You know, it could be just finding an article online and from a reputable source like the natural nutritionist <laughs> um, and, and, and reading that and seeing what happens. So I think they're kind of like the first things that I would encourage one of the listeners to do. Yeah. Beautiful. I think also the, that the changes begin with you, you know, I don't know. I agree that getting external help is amazing, but I remember when I was trying to get fixed by just seeing all the practitioners in the world, (laughs) I had that moment where I realised that actually they were just guiding me, but I was the one that was going to have to make those changes. And it was hard at the time because I didn't really know what to do, but it was such a good lesson because you can spend all the money and have all the appointments in the world but if you don't do the work or take their advice or the homework, then nothing's going to change. Mm, I completely agree with you. I think it's a journey like you really have to, you have to do the work. And I, and I remember in the very beginning like of my recovery, uh, well, kind of just probably before I started that journey, I didn't want to see a psychologist. So there was no point in me going because it wasn't going to help me, you know, unless someone is ready to take on board the support, then it doesn't really help. And yes, I agree with you. Like we really have to take the action within ourselves and you have to be your own cheerleader. A lot of the time, like I found that my journey, I guess was very much, I felt very alone on the way in a way because I was supporting myself through things. So in these pages, I've also really communicated that. I said, like, it's entirely up to you. Like, you're entirely up to you. So these are some of the things that help help supporting me to get better. And they're things that anyone can apply. But it's really about, like, what works for you. Get so connected to yourself that you know and that, and that you know, you can find a way to get through things when they're really tough. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you work, I'm assuming you work with um, a lot of women. Um, I'm not saying that the the struggles um, don't occur in men, but I'm wondering what you see in like your audience and the people that you've had these conversations with around like the order of priority, like we're meeting people that I guess are putting themselves and their health second to those around them, whether it's family or a career or a combination of things. 
Like tell me what mm. you see there and, and how you think that plays a role. I think it's kind of like a bit cliche, but you like that, uh, the analogy with the aeroplane, you know, to put on your air, air mask first before yeah. putting it on somebody else. And I think that really applies to our health too. Like how can you possibly nurture and nourish and care for your children or your loved ones if you're running on empty or if you're not giving yourself the adequate rest or nutrition or, you know, whatever that you need to be at your best and function. So I think, yeah, it's really important to just practice that self-care, you know, and it's not, it's not about, it's not a selfish thing. I think it's just being practical. And I imagine that for parents, I imagine that, yes, you know, they are leading very busy lives. They're running a household. They're also probably working a lot of the time. Uh, So it, it can be more challenging but I think, you know, start with something small. What's one thing? I think often we look at the big picture and we feel so overwhelmed with how much that needs to change that it kind of sends us into complacency because it just feels like too much. So I think if we can focus our attention on what's this one thing that I can just try this week, you know, and adopt this week into my lifestyle, that's going to improve my overall well-being. then I think that's when, you know, they over time that's when changes start to snowball and then they're sustainable and there's something that's going to stick yeah beautiful that's so good um and so tell us a little bit more about well anything that you want to share about the book um and certainly where we can find out more um and then i've got a couple of final questions for you Sure. So the book will officially be out probably at the end of February and it'll be available through Amazon, Barnes and Noble and other retailers. And, but for now you can pre-order a copy at my website, monicacade.com. And yeah, essentially it's, it's a great book for anyone just looking to develop a greater awareness around their approach to health, fitness and, and their lifestyle. It doesn't have to be for someone who's just experienced an eating disorder or, uh, or disordered eating, but it can be. And that's probably, yeah, that's what I'd like to say about that for now. Amazing. And um, tell us more about your podcast. I'd love to hear more about your goals around the show. And I know you've interviewed some incredible people, including my good friend Wes Carr. So, yeah, share that with us. Yeah, Wes is a legend. I really like him. I've interviewed him a couple of times, not on my podcast, but I think I've I've done a couple of things with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I love having people on the show too. Well, first of all, I'm very particular with who I get on the show. I really choose people that I feel are living whatever it is that their expertise is and people that also inspire me, you know, and that I feel have a message that can really help influence others to lead better lives. For me, I feel like my gift is to be a conduit, you know, to, to share other people's messages that I believe in that I really can see are making changes in the world regardless of whether they're global changes, you know, or just in their community or things like that. But I think that I want my listeners to really feel that whatever it is that they love is possible and that, you know, 
just little things that they do each day or something that they hear on the podcast could impact the way that they live their life and it could support them to be healthier if it's uh, if it's someone that talks about health or maybe it's you know someone that's written a book and you know talks about their process on that so it's really about just sharing lots of lots of different people and their ways that they are their best yeah, love it. So good. Um, we can get it on iTunes, obviously, um, and online. Yep. Yep, iTunes, Spotify, they're the major ones. Then obviously there's also, you know, the other little podcast platforms that it's all available. But, yeah, iTunes, you can just head over and type in the Monica Cade podcast and it'll come up. So there's a new season starting in two weeks. So lots of cool people coming up. Amazing. And what have you got on your list of goals for 2019? Any other projects you'd like to share with us or, um, yeah, what, what you can reveal that's coming next? Yeah. So I feel like (laughs) my, my podcast and my book seem to be like two really big projects that I feel will be taking up a lot of my time this year at the moment. So Mm -hmm. at the moment, most of my energy has been invested into going to those, but some other things that I'd like to launch possibly later in the year include like a few things like masterclasses. So but that's all still in the works. So that's all I can share for now. Beautiful. Yeah, so good. Such an important message. And I love that you've obviously now got a resource that can help you reach more people that can learn from your story and have some really helpful strategies to help transform um, their health and definitely whether it's body image or their relationship with weight or whether it's simply understanding nutrition more, I think it's a very important conversation. So thank you for being brave enough to do that. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Steph. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.